Good? All right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to SVC. It's wonderful to have you here. I can already sense a sweet spirit in this place. Let's stand together. I have some good news to share with you. God's love never fails. It never runs out. It's something we can always count on. And we can't be separated from it. Let's sing together, church. Nothing can separate. Even if I ran away, your love never fails. And I know, I know I still make mistakes. You have mercy for me every day. Your love never fails. And you stay, you stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. When the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid, because I know that you love me, your love, your love never fails, your love never fails. And the water's deep But I'm not alone here in these open seas Your love never fails That's right The chasm is far too wide I never thought I'd reach the other side But your love never fails You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid. Because I know that you love me, your love never fails. Once again, your love, your love never fails. And you make, you make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. Yes, you do. Yes, you make all things 
work together for my good. Yes, you make all things work together for my good. And you stay. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid, because I know that you love me. Your love never fails. Your love never fails. Are you grateful for that? I'm also grateful for the faithfulness of God. Sing monuments together. Here we go. We've seen, we've heard the stories of your goodness. We're lost, then found, and broken hearts were healed. We've known, we've felt. The power of your presence when mountains fell and every wave was still. One look at what you've done, yeah, is a glimpse of what's to come. Every miracle, every step of faith, every victory rises up to save. We are the monuments of your faithfulness. What life, what life, what death could ever separate us? The blood you shed will always be enough. One look at what you've done It's a glimpse of what's to come Every miracle, every step of faith Every victory rises up to stay We are the monument of your faithfulness Every captive Your faithfulness, all oh, these monuments of what you've done, these monuments of your great love, every war that you have won is just a glimpse of what's to come, these monuments 
continue to worship, we're going to um, go over a song that we learned last week. And uh, just an intro, when we're having issues with our car, who do we typically, typically call? A mechanic. Um, likewise, when we have any bathroom issues, it overflows, we call a plumber. Yet, when we're in the midst of a spiritual struggle, sometimes we can fail to call upon the Lord. I think one of the reasons that this can happen is because we forget who he is. And who is he? He's our protector in the times of vulnerability, our healer in the times of illness. He's our provider in times of drought and so much more. So this next song celebrates who God is and what he has done, and it's called Names.
resting on your shoulder. You are the final word. You alone decide when every page will turn. So I will trust your timing. I will rest secure. Oh, this is a steady kind of love. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us, you're here with me. Wonderful Counselor, the God is resting on your shoulders. Your name say it all. They say it all. I stand in awe of you. Your Father, we are so thankful for who you are. Your love, you're our provider, you're our wonderful counselor, you're Emmanuel, 
You are our everlasting Father, and we are so thankful for that, that we can call upon any name, and you will answer us. Father, I pray that um, this morning, as we listen to your word, as we worship you in all things, that we remember to call upon you and keep you forefront in our lives. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Elsa. You can have a seat, everyone, and good morning once again. And uh, let me put this. There you go. Good morning once again. Um, Today we are continuing our uh, spiritual growth challenge called Life in the Spirit. And Life in the Spirit, uh, if if we put it into practice in our lives, can can transform uh, people. It can transform marriages, homes, communities, churches. And during this uh, spiritual growth challenge, we're going to be consistently asking you to do three things. Number one, we're going to be asking you to make Sunday morning worship a priority. Thank you for doing that today. We're going to be asking you to make being in a small group a priority as well. And uh, we're going to be asking you to make daily time in God's word and in prayer a priority. And this morning, I've asked uh, my wife, Carolyn, to come up and share with us a little bit about her practice of reading God's Word and what that looks like in her life. Will you please welcome Carolyn? Thank you. Shameless applause. So I wanted to ask her a couple of questions similar to what I did with Steve last week. And the first one would be, is why is daily time in God's Word and prayer important to you? Uh, follow Steve. Okay, well, um, <laughs> so studying the Scriptures, um, it's crucial for the health of my soul. If I don't know the Word of God, um, then I will easily be led astray by all the loud voices of the world. And if I don't spend time with God, God my heart is not changed. And it's not aligned with his will. If I don't spend time in his word, I become selfish. I become bitter. There's jealousy. There's all those things. You see, being in the word of God helps me to recognize and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it helps me to walk by the Spirit. And prayer, prayer um, is important because prayer ushers us into the throne room of God. And it plays a key role in worshiping God. 1 Thessalonians Thessalonians tells us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Prayer brings me into God's presence. Prayer directs my focus to God, and prayer aligns my heart with God. And prayer changes things. Because when we pray according to God's will, he hears and he answers it in his timing. Thank you. And what does your personal time in prayer and in God's word look like every day? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you my personal, I'll call it a ritual. Um, but what I want to preface to say is I don't always get this right every day. <laughs> um, and I'm working on it. I'm working on it. It takes discipline to be faithful in all those things. Honestly, it takes discipline. So 
what I like to do is I like to wake up early to prepare for the day. And to do this, I have to I have to get to bed at a decent hour, in all honesty. So Matt and I were talking about this the other day, and it's like, I really need to be in bed by 1045 if I'm going to be disciplined in the morning. And that doesn't always happen, and the holidays kind of skew all that because all of a sudden you're not on a schedule anymore. Um, but it really starts with having a healthy a healthy bedtime, and I know if I don't do that, um, my morning rituals will um, will get out of whack. Secondly, I can get lost in my phone in the morning. I'm just being real. I'm being honest with you. I can get lost in all that scrolling in the morning. So what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to allow myself to do that, but I'm going to set a five-minute timer. Set a five-minute timer. When that timer goes off, the phone goes away. No more phone. There are three things that I like to do in the morning before work. Um, and so um, this year I'm trying to make those non-negotiables. So I li- I, it's really important for me that I stretch in the morning because when I'm 80, I want to be able to reach my toes. So I'm just going to stretch in the morning. I want to do a 25-minute walk, and I want to spend time in God's Word. I want to pray, and I want to journal. If I don't set the time to do this, time gets away and excuses happen. That's just reality. So um, it's really important also that um, I have I have tools. So what I do is I sit at my kitchen table with a bottle of water, and um, my my rule is that to myself is that I can't have a cup of coffee till I drink a bottle of water. So I down that bottle of water, and then I get my coffee, and I sit at my table, and I have Alexa play some either some spa music or some light instrumental worship. It kind of just helps to soothe my soul. And um, then I get out my Bible. So my go-to Bible is an NIV, but I like to have multiple Bibles handy so that if I'm reading something and I'm kind of like not, it's not, I'm, I'm like, okay, Lord, what is this really, what is this really saying? And I may switch to a dif- different interpretation of the Bible or um, so that I can get a, a different look. So having a couple Bibles, um, I, um, I have a journal. So I'll be honest with you also, I'm not a real journaler, but um, I do like to have it there so that if while I'm reading the scripture, God shows me something, that I, I write that down. So if, if I'm having an aha moment or God is just like really putting something on my heart and it's really like, oh, wow, this is for me, I'll write that down and I date it so that um, I can go back to it and look to it. So I journal, um, and, and currently I, what I am doing is I'm reading through the Bible. So last year, a lot of a lot of us went through the Daily Walk Bible. Um, I'm still going through it. Um, so and that's okay because my goal is to get through the Bible. Um, so I do take breaks on occasion if I'm doing a Bible study or a different devotional, um, and then I come back to it. So my day looks like my morning time with God looks like I start by being still and quiet my soul and my mind. I pray and I say, "Good morning, God. I'm here." And I pray and ask him to meet me in his word and to speak to me. I read the passages for the day or the study or whatever tool I'm, I'm, I'm in. And then I pray. I pray for my family and anything else God puts on my heart. It could be I'll pray for a church or a revival. Um, I remind myself that prayer, the prayer of the righteous availeth much. So I make time to spend in prayer. Turned off my own mic. So 
it's interesting when she pull, puts her yoga mat down in the morning in front of the fireplace uh, and is doing the stretches. Our dog Eddie mm. likes to get right up underneath her and do his own downward dog, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she's trying to be real serious and focused. And he's got his squeak toy, mm. and, and he's <laughs> and he's laying underneath her, and it's just <laughs> it's oh Eddie mm-hmm. needs a hobby. <laughs> painting or something i don't know so okay final question uh what advice would you give to someone who hasn't been in the habit of of reading god's word and praying every day but would like to start mm-hmm. well first i would say today is the perfect day to start today is the perfect day create a ritual um Mornings are great because I think doing things first thing kind of sets a precedent for the rest of the day. But it might not work for everybody, but it's just important to set that time, designate that time. Have a place where you meet with God every morning or wherever it is time of day you do it. Get the tools. Um, Everyone is different, so find what works for you and work at being consistent. And when you have got out of the habit of daily reading and prayer because it will happen. Recognize it, give yourself grace, and start up again. And have accountability. I know Steve mentioned this, or or, or Kathy, maybe it was mentioned it. It's so true. For me, the best way to be accountable to someone um, about being consistent in God's word is to be in a small group and studying the Bible together. If you aren't in a study now or have never been in one, I want to challenge you to join a group now. What happens in group is you're all reading the same thing. And at different times in life, you'll read a scripture and it'll mean something to you. And then something, somebody else may glean something else from that same scripture. And then when you sit around in a circle and you talk about it, God uses each one of us to encourage us in our Bible reading. And somebody might say something that it's like, oh, my gosh. What you just said, that was for me because I really needed to hear that. So I encourage you to join a small group. Um, It gets you in the Word of God if you're struggling to do it, and it connects you with others who are studying the same scripture. So if this is something new to you, again, today is the perfect day to start because draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Thank you very much, Carolyn. I appreciate it. Yep. You can take that with you. Thank you so much. Um, it's it's encouraging because I you know I get to see her live that out every morning, and I get to see her sit at our kitchen table and have that Bible open, and have that spa music going, and that squeak toy going, and uh, see her live that out, and it's very encouraging. So, um, you know, like I said last week, we can't get to know somebody unless we spend time with them, right? We can't, we can't do it. So that's why being in God's Word and in prayer on a consistent basis is so important. So, Carolyn, thank you again. Um, at this time, we're going to, uh, before we continue with our service, we're going to uh, worship God with our giving. And I want to take a moment to thank all of you who give uh, faithfully and generously to our church. Your giving enables us to build God's kingdom right here and we are immensely grateful there are five ways that you can give this morning the first number one is you can give online on our website salonavalley.org forward slash giving 
You can tap Give on our SBC phone app. And I always want to put in a plug for this. If you don't have it, it's in Google Play or on the App Store. Just type in Solana Valley Church, and you can download that app. You can also send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, 94534. You can text GIVE to the, word, or to the number 707-883-3019. And once you do that, it'll kick back a message to you and walk you through the steps of being able to give that way. And if you're here in person today, you can place your offering in uh, a silver mail slot that is behind our sound booth on that wall back there. As always, thank you so much for your generosity. And before Joe Conrad comes up to do a, a scripture reading for us this morning, I'd like you to turn your attention to the screen real quick. I'm going to be uh, reading from, guess what, Galatians 5, uh, verses 13 to 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, Watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh, desi- for the, this, sorry, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for the gift of your spirit. We thank you that we can partake of the spirit and its guidance. We ask you to help us to learn how and to be willing to walk by the spirit. We ask you to help us to keep step with the spirit. And we just pray that through the Spirit, 
we may exhibit its, his fruit. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much, Joe. Really appreciate that. Uh, so, Joe, what I want to know is when you're at uh, the community college and you're teaching math, do you have like a video introduction? I do not. You don't? Okay. Well, all right. Do you do now? It's uh, all video. Oh, it's all now. Zoom. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Uh, I got a prize. I got a prize for someone. Um, so, uh, hey, we're doing a series right now on the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, today we're going to be talking more uh, about the fruit of the Spirit. Hey, Nan. We're going to do, uh, we're going to talk uh, about the fruit of the Spirit that's love and uh, that aspect of it. Oh, no. Oh, thanks. Thanks for doing that. Okay. I thought you were going to walk off with it. Hey, that's somebody's prize. <laughs> Come back here. <laughs> so I'm tackling before he gets out with it, you know. <laughs> it's a very expensive prize. I spent, I don't know how much money on it, but I spent money on it. Uh, so, uh, so uh, we're currently doing the series on the fruit of the Spirit and, uh, and what it means to walk by the Spirit. And uh, so today, like I said a moment ago, we're, we're going to talk about that aspect of the fruit of the Spirit that's, that's love. Uh, and before we get too deep in this message, uh, I just want to confess something to you. Can I, can I just kind of open up and confess a little bit? Uh, I, I'm, okay, so I am a person in process. I'm a person in process. By the way, if you're breathing, you're in process. If, if you're dead, okay, you're with the Lord, okay? But for the rest of us, we're in process. And, and so as a person in process, I have had the opportunity to be a jerk on many occasions. Can I say that? Okay. So if you're watching from Facebook, if you're watching from YouTube today, if you're from Arkansas and you knew me when I was younger, if you're from Dallas and you knew me when I was younger, if you're from Oklahoma City and you knew me when I was younger, if you're from San Diego and you knew me when I was younger, I apologize for all the times that I was ever a jerk. There, I'm done, okay? Uh, oh, and I've been a jerk here a few times too, all right? So what we're going to talk about today is not how to be a jerk, because that is something that comes naturally for us. What we want to talk about today is we want to learn how to walk by the Spirit, and we want to learn how to live out the fruit of the Spirit, and especially that aspect of the fruit of the Spirit that is love. You see, the kind of love that the Bible talks about does not come naturally. There are kinds of love that do come naturally, but the kind of love that the Bible talks about here does not come naturally. It comes supernaturally. There is a natural love and affection that a mom has for her baby. There is a natural love and affection that a husband has for his wife. There is a natural love and affection that a child has for their parent or that two people might have in friendship. There is this natural affection. But there's a different kind of love we're going to be looking at today. Before we get into the text I want to look at, I want to just make a couple of highlights from uh, Galatians 5 that, that we just heard just a moment ago. A couple of things. In Galatians, real quick, real quick, let's, let's remember something. The book of Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul to a group of people who in a, an area called Galatia that's in the modern-day nation of Turkey. And the church in Galatia was in big trouble. They were in big trouble because there were false teachers that had infiltrated the church. And they were saying, hey, it's not enough. It's not enough to put your hope in Jesus to be saved, to be made right with God. They said, no, 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 that's not enough. That's not enough. That you also have to 
obey and follow certain Old Testament rituals. And what Paul said is, he said, what these false teachers are giving you is a false gospel. Now, did this irritate Paul? The answer is yes. Okay? I mean, he was really irritated. He said about these false teachers, um, he said, may they be under God's curse. That's basically a nice, polite way of saying, may they go to hell. Okay? Because that's what it means to be under God's curse. Uh, what, what he says later in the text is, hey, they're talking to you about circumcision. I wish they would just go the whole way and mutilate themselves. Okay? Don't stop with, don't stop with circumcision. Uh, go ahead and be castrated. I mean, these are the words of Paul. This is the word of Scripture. This is not impolite to say this in, in the church. It is the word of God. It is what Paul wrote to the people of Galatia as he was led by the Holy Spirit. When, when John writes the Gospel of John, or excuse me, he did write the Gospel of John, but when he writes the letter First John, he was writing to Christians who lived in a lot of the same areas where uh, Paul had written to. And he was writing to these Christians in these churches, and he was writing about love in the context of the church. Paul was also writing about love in the context of, church, of the church. I, I didn't finish what I was going to say about Galatians. In Galatians 5.13, in, in Galatians 5.1, uh, Paul says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery again, meaning circumcision and following the law. In verse 13, he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Uh, the word here for love is, is agape or agapao, okay? Uh, you may have heard that before. And, and it, it describes a kind of love, not the kind of love that a mom has for her baby, or a husband has for his wife, or two friends for have, have for each other. It is a, an affection that is God's affection that we see when God gives his one and only son. Could you do that? Could I do that? And that but God has done that. It, it is a supernatural kind of love, not a natural kind of love. And we're only capable of loving like that as we're following Jesus and walking by the Spirit. And so what, what Paul says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not credify the desires of the flesh. And then in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so he's writing to these people. John was writing to people in the same general vicinity in, in ancient Turkey, uh, but was writing a few, like uh, about a generation later. Okay, towards the last part of the first century A.D. And when he writes, there were also false teachers. Anybody ever hear of the Antichrist before? Anybody have any interest in studying about the Antichrist or about, okay. Uh, uh, study about Jesus, all right? But it's interesting because what John says is we know the Antichrist is coming. One day there will come one who will oppose Jesus in a very significant way. But John says this, I, there, the Antichrist is coming, but I tell you the Antichrist has already come. 
And he talks about antichrist, plural, in the church that he was writing to. They were teaching false doctrines. I'll give you a big word here. It's called docetism. Can you say docetism? All right, docetism. And this is what you need to understand about docetism. People who were docetists, they believed that Jesus was fully God, but they didn't believe that Jesus had come in the flesh. Now, if you want to understand 1 John, you kind of need to know that that's the issue that John was addressing. And in fact, in the first part of 1 John uh, in, in chapter 1, this is part of the significance why uh, John writes this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. Part of what John's trying to do right at the get-go is to establish that Jesus has come in the flesh. Jesus, who's fully God, took on the fullness of our humanity to come as an atoning sacrifice for you and me, meaning that he suffered God's wrath on the cross for our sin because God, who is holy and has a holy wrath towards sin, is also a God who is love and loves sinners. All right, I kind of got off track. Um, so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at First John chapter 4. I'd encourage you to open up to that because I'm going to be making reference to it. Uh, throughout this. Um, so um, let me just talk about real quickly about love in kind of a general way. Love was important in the church in Galatia. That's why Paul wrote to the Galatians, do not use, uh, do not use your freedom as an opportunity to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. This was important to Paul for the church in Galatia. And love was important for the church that John wrote to as well. And so he writes about this. But before we get into that, let me explain to you, and let me just say to you really, really quick, that love is hugely important in the context of this church. Absolutely, hugely important. In fact, one of the most important things that we have to do as a church is to love one another. Now, as a church, we have certain values, so one of our values is Scripture lived, that we don't just learn Scripture to know Scripture. We learn Scripture to live Scripture. And so we want to be guided by the truth of God's Word in all matters of life and faith. But another one of our values is relational warmth. We want to be relationally warm. And by being relationally warm, what we're saying is that we want to love one another in our church, not just a few special one another's, but one another, all of us, we want to love one another with Christ's love that he has for me, that he has for you. What we're saying is that we, we, we want to help every single person in our church find friendship. We want to help every single person, whoever visits our church, to find a connection and inclusion. Why? Anybody ever, ever feel the pain of feeling excluded? Yeah. Yeah, thanks for, Jim. Because I have too. No, 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 no. No, you're just the one who's courageous enough to lift your hand. But I've had that experience. It's very, very painful, isn't it? To just feel like you don't belong. All of us need friends. And folks, one of the most important things that we have to do as a church is to love 
each other, love people, giving them a place of inclusion and connection and friendship. We've got to do that. Um, so this idea of love is profoundly important for us to understand as we read uh, as I read this text for you today. So I'm reading from 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, and I'm going to read through chapter 5, verse 3. Now, there's a reason why I'm doing this. Because the chapter division between chapter 4 and 5 is poorly placed. Now, understand, chapter divisions were not a part of the original text of Scripture. Instead, there was an old monk a long time ago riding on the back of a mule... And he was just kind of putting them in there wherever he wanted to. And on this particular day, I don't know, he ate something bad. He had a stomachache or something. I don't know. And he put it in the wrong place. But the, 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 this whole thought begins in chapter 4, and it continues into chapter 5. So I'm going to read it all for you. And this is what it says. It says, dear friends, dear friends, let us love one another. Why? For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, um, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, among us. And his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him. And he and us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledged that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how uh, love is made complete among us. So that we'll have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world. Um, I just lost my place. That's what, I shouldn't look up. Where? 17. All right, thanks. Uh, this is how love is made complete among us, that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ 
is born of God. And everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. This is how we know. uh, This is how we know that we love the children of God. uh, By loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God. To keep his commandments. And his commands are not burdensome. I'm going to keep this right here for a moment. So last week, anybody remember what I preached on last week? Poopy! Poop! All right. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Last week's message was a poopy message. If you don't know what that's about, you can go back, watch it on YouTube, whatever. Okay? And, and And so someone said that I used the word poop 15 times in my message. Isabella. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, real crazy, real crazy thing here. Real crazy thing. Oh, uh, here's your prize. Here's your prize. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fruit. Of course, it's a fruit of the spirit message. So I gave her fruit. There you go. Thank you, angel. All right. So last week, last week, last week, I, I preached a, a poopy message. Today, I promise not to preach a poopy message. I might preach a stupid message. So you might pay attention to the word stupid because it might show up somewhere in this message. All right. Uh, but actually, before we start counting how many times I say stupid, guess how many times, guess how many times John uses the word love in the passage I just read for you? Just a guess. Anybody? 20 times. 20 times. That's a good guess. Anybody else? 30. Okay, anybody else? Any other guess? 15. Okay, that's a good guess. Anybody else? All right. Uh, so we're all a, a little bit short. Okay, we're all, I'm sorry, that wasn't supposed to be a short joke, but we're all a little bit short. Okay, so, so it's real interesting here is that John uses the word love 33 times. And actually, actually, If you read it in the Greek version of the Bible, he uses it 35 times, 35 times, because two different times in uh, in this text of scripture, two different times. uh, He says, dear friends, in in verse seven, and then he says it again later in verse 11. And the word dear friends is agaptoi. Okay, so agaptoi. And agaptoi, remember that word, agape, agapao. You change the ending of the word and you uh, apply the word in different ways. Sometimes it's a verb, sometimes it's a noun. Uh, sometimes it's, it's a you know, first-person plural or a first-person singular. But in this case, agap, uh, agaptoi means it's a second-person plural. It's, the word literally is this, beloved. Beloved. When John is speaking to these people, he calls them beloved. Uh, It's a a term of great affection. But it's not just the uh, affection that we have in normal relationships. It's a different kind of affection. It's a different kind of love. It goes to a whole new level. So... um, so real quick, let's talk for a moment about what is love? What is love? And in short definition, you may not agree with this definition. That's okay. That's okay. But it'll work for us for right now. First of all, love is more than a feeling. So sometimes 
we don't feel like loving another person. Okay? In, in other words, sometimes I felt like being a jerk when I, you know, on different occasions. Sometimes we don't feel like being loving. But see, love is, not, uh, is more than a feeling. It is a way of being. It is a way of living. It seeks the good of the beloved, even when it's costly. Sometimes there are times that it's easy to love a person. Sometimes love is very, very costly. See, see, love, agape love, God's love for us, is uh, it seeks the good of the beloved even when it's costly, inconvenient, painful, and difficult, even when it means going to the cross. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Okay? We're not talking about something that comes naturally. We're not talking about something that comes by trying harder. You can try as hard as you can to love like this, and you never will. We're talking about something. We're talking about a kind of love that does not come naturally. We're talking about a kind of love that comes supernaturally. Because it is a fruit of the Spirit. This is the, why, this is the, the reason why we, we really need to understand what following Jesus looks like. Not, I'm not talking about being a Sunday morning Christian. A lot of people are really good Sunday morning Christians. But what kind of a Christian are you on Sunday afternoon? What about Monday morning? What about the end of Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday? See, we're talking about walking by the Spirit in the rhythm of everyday life, every aspect of our days. In every kind of relationship, not just the people that are easy for us to love, but in the relationships with the people who are difficult for us to love. See, this doesn't come, this does not come naturally. It comes supernaturally by walking by the Spirit, by keeping in step with the Spirit, by living by the Spirit, by being led by the Spirit, by crucifying, putting to death the deeds of the flesh. What is love? Love is patient, not when it feels patient, but when the beloved needs patience. It's easy to be patient when you feel like being patient. But love is patient, not when it feels patient, but when the beloved needs patience. It isn't quick to retaliate. It it does not cling uh, to wrongs suffered. Uh, It it is... um, Love is kind. Love is kind. Love isn't kind when it feels like being kind. Love is kind when the beloved needs kindness. Love doesn't envy. Why? Why? Because because it rejoices in the good of the beloved. Love is not arrogant or rude. Why? Because it wants to build up the beloved. Love does not insist on its own way. Because it wants to seek the good of the beloved. Love isn't easily irritated, nor does it hang on to past resentments, because it lovingly forgives the beloved. Did I say I might say stupid in this sermon? Start counting. No, just kidding, don't count. 
stupid, all right? So stupid. In the 1970s, there were a lot of stupid movies. There were some good movies, too, okay? Star Wars, The Godfather, Godfather Part 2, Part 3. There were some good movies in the 70s, and there were some stupid movies. When I'm talking stupid, I mean, like, really stupid Okay, I don't want to call anybody out by name, but their initials are Ryan O'Neill and Allie McGraw. Okay, so, so there was this stupid movie about love, and they made a poster that said, love means never having to say you're sorry. Stupid. Okay, did I say stupid? All right, so last week was a poopy message. This is a stupid message. Um, I've been married for... I don't know, a little over 30 years, I've had to say I'm sorry more than one time, okay? Maybe more like, I don't know, I mean, 30 years, I don't know, 365 days a year. Okay, I I think a lot of those days I haven't had to say I'm sorry, but a lot of those days I have. But let's just say, I don't know, I've had to say I'm sorry maybe, I don't know, 5,000 times, 6,000 times. Okay, maybe more, all right? So I, I don't know. I haven't kept count. Someone should be counting for me, like stupid and poop and all that kind of good stuff, all right? So, so now some of you may say, the movie's not stupid. Gary, you're stupid because you keep having to say, I'm sorry. But I've had to say, I'm sorry a lot. There are times when love means you do say you're sorry. There are times when love says, um, what I did was wrong. I'm sorry. I will try to get better at this. Will you please forgive me? That's what love does. And another thing that love does is it forgives. Now, when I say forgives, there are times where there are situations where we have to have really good boundaries where there are patterns of physical abuse, there has to be a boundary. Uh, Sometimes there has to be a phone call to the police. So I'm not talking about a kind of love that has no boundaries, but I am talking about a kind of love that is forgiving even when it's really hard. When it's really hard. Um. Love rejoices in the truth. So it never lies, deceives, or misleads the beloved. Love bears all things for the sake of the beloved. Love believes, hopes, endures all things for the sake of the beloved. Love never fails. I think we sang that earlier today. We talked about God's love never fails. So I had a question for you. I've got a question for you before I get into the message. Can you love like that? Can you love like that? Only, only, only if you walk by the Spirit, are led by the Spirit. Keep in uh, step with the Spirit, living by the Spirit. See, this kind of love doesn't come naturally. It comes... Supernaturally. 
there are five things in particular that I want to pay attention to with regards to what I just read to you a moment. I'm going to make these fast, all right? So it's all going to be on one slide. First of all, this, uh, what I want you to see is this, that God is love, okay? God is love. Uh, in, in verse 8, in verse 8, uh, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. A couple weeks ago, we said that God is holy, 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 and he is. And that means that he is holy in everything he does. But God is also love, which means that God is loving in everything he does. This is why, this is why the cross makes so much sense. See, on the cross, we see the holiness of God. His holy wrath and judgment for sin that cannot be excused in the life of any person. We see God's holy wrath, but we also see God's love. His grace and mercy for sinners like you and me. You see, God is holy and God is love. This means he is loving and holy in everything he does. That, that love and holiness go together. They go together like peanut butter and jelly, like, I don't know, salt and pepper. Like, they just go together. Maybe like heads and tails on a coin. You can't have a coin without heads. You can't have a, a coin without tails. It's got heads and tails. God is loving and God is holy. Part of what we're seeing, we're seeing a rift right now in Christianity, a huge rift huge rift among many people who call themselves Christians. Some who want to accentuate God's love while not accentuating God's holiness. And so they don't really call people to righteous living because they accentuate God's love without accentuating God's, uh, without accentuating God's holiness. And there's another uh, side to this that accentuates God's holiness. God's holiness, God's holiness, and they are almost brutal in the way they speak truth. They accentuate the holiness without accentuating love. But the gospel is a message of love and holiness. It's a message of judgment and mercy, all in one person, all in one event, the cross. God is love. And you know what that means? It means God loves you. It means God loves you. Every single person in this room is loved by God. By the way, that's why we should love every single person in this room. If you love the parent, you love the child. God is love. Second thing I want you to see in the text, whoever abides in God abides in love. We see this in verse 16, the last part of verse 16. Uh, it says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Uh, the word lives, the, the, the Greek word is meno. It's used a, uh, a lot in all of John's writings. It, it, it's a word that's often translated as uh, abide. It means to dwell, to reside, to remain, or to live. And what I think what John is trying to get across to these ancient Christians and what we need to grasp today is that God wants us to be at home in him. And he wants us to be at home in his love. 
And he wants his love to be at home in us. I'm going to ask you to do something that may feel a little bit awkward for some of you. But sometimes you need to do things that feel awkward and difficult. You can't grow if you won't challenge yourself. You can't learn if you will not challenge yourself. And I want you to learn. I want you to grow. So I'm going to challenge you and ask you to do something right now. I'm going to ask you to put your arms out and hold your hands up. If you're watching from YouTube or if you're watching from Facebook this morning, just hold your arms out, okay, your hands, palms up. And the reason I want you to do this is because I I just want you to say, God, um, there's this person in my life that's hard for me to love. I want to give that person to you. And I want you to pray this to God. God, fill me with your love. Eyes towards heaven. God, fill me with your love. Fill me with your love. Okay, you can put your hands down. I want to ask you, did that feel difficult for you or awkward? For some of you, maybe not at all. But for some, perhaps it did. This one I ask you. I want to ask you just a simple question. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid, afraid that God is going to ask you to love someone that you don't want to love? Are you going to, or, or if you feel awkward, this is what I encourage you to do. Do it till it doesn't feel awkward. Well, some of you are going to say, well, gee, I'm not a very expressive person. Well, that's fine. I understand that. But love, prayer is an expression. It's an expression. You cannot pray without being expressive. Well, Gary, I don't have to lift my palms up and my arms out and lift my eyes towards heaven. That's true. You don't. Although it's very interesting, in the ancient church, that was the normal posture of prayer. Arms up to God. In our context today, a lot of people, they grew up praying on their knees with their hands folded, head down. Nothing wrong with praying like that. It just doesn't appear anywhere in the Bible. Arms up, hands up, does quite often. Now, I'm just saying you have to adopt that posture, but I do believe adopting a posture changes us when it's done with the right heart and the right attitude. Is um, whoever abides in God abides in love. We need God's love to abide in us. The reason I ask you to do this is because what I want for you is I want you to drink in all of God's love for you. I want you to marinate in God's love for you. I want you to savor God's love for you. I really think that the key to loving others well is being loved by God. By the way, I also believe that the key to experiencing the fullness of God's love for us is in loving well. I think it goes both ways. Third thing I want you to see in the text is there is no fear in love. Uh, There is no fear in love. Verse 18, uh, it says here, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The more we receive God's love, 
the more it will drive out our fears, our anxieties, our insecurities. There's no fear in love. Fourth, I want you to see this, that, that, that we love because God first loved us. In verse 19, we love because he first loved us. That the more we are filled with God's love for us, the more we will love others. Think of it this way. Think of it like if you have a cup. <laughs> okay, I get my morning coffee. This is what I do. I get my morning coffee. I don't wait till I drink a glass of water. I get my morning coffee. God made coffee first. <laughs> okay. Well, in the Bible says first we have coffee or something like that. I don't know. No, it doesn't. So I, I take a cup of coffee. This drives my wife crazy, okay? Uh, this is part of why I have to say I'm sorry a lot. Uh, I will fill my cup with quite a bit of coffee. And I'm like, oh, i got to get my cream in there. So I put my cream in there. At this point, it is like at the edge of the cup. Do you know, you know what, that, that uh, with liquids, there's this kind of like a tension uh, that it has, a natural tension, and it can actually go up and over the sides without going over the sides? Well, with me, it doesn't work that way. It goes over the sides. That's what God wants for you and me. He wants us to be filled to overflowing with his love. That the more that we receive of God's love, that what it does for us is it does a couple of things. It drives out fear. It drives out anxiety. It drives out insecurity. It drives out so many of the things that get in the way of us having really good, healthy friendships and relationships with other people. Fifth thing I want you to see here is that whoever loves God will love his brother or sister. Verse 21, and he, God, has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. Now, this is what I'm going to tell you. If we live out this kind of love, it brings healing to marriages. It brings healing to families. It brings healing to communities. It frees a nation. It frees a nation enslaved. It frees a nation enslaved by the suck, the suck of self. I'm sorry, that's the United States. We need to be free. Oh, man, I saw a disturbing, very disturbing photo a while back. And I've shared this with a number of you, but I, I saw this photo in an article I had read by, uh, what's his face? Can't think of it. Uh, but anyway, he wrote this article. He's actually writing an article about Galatians and the false gospel there. And there was a rift between Jew and Gentiles, between race and race. And he said, if we don't get love right between the races, we don't get the gospel right. Because we're not living according to the gospel. And this was the photo. This was the photo. It was a choir, a choir of roughly 100 men. This photo is about 100 years old. A choir, 100 men, a choir in a church, a choir. A big banner says, Jesus saves. That's the gospel. And every man in the choir was wearing a white robe and a white hood. 
the Ku Klux Klan. Anyone who says they love God but does not love their brother or sister, the love of God is not in him. Anyone who does not love their brother or sister is a liar. That's the words of John. If we look down on people because of their age, maybe they're younger or they're older, or it's not all old people who are bad, just some of them, or it's not all younger people who are bad, just some of them. Or if we're, you know, they live in that neighborhood, we live in this neighborhood. Oh, they have that much education. We have this much education. Oh, we have this much money. They have that much money. Anytime there's a boundary to our love that looks like that, the love of God does not reign in our hearts. What I'm talking about today is I'm not talking about a kind of love that's easy. God hasn't called me to, to, to call people the things that are easy. Jesus never called anybody to anything easy. When Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him take up his cross. Deny himself and follow me. See, what Jesus is saying is sometimes following him looks like pain and suffering and sacrifice and death. And that's the way God shows us his love. Sending Jesus to die for us. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come on back up. If I said, if what I said to you today feels hard or difficult, it's because it's only, this is only the hardest text in all of Scripture to live, to love like this. It's hard, if it feels hard, if what I'm saying to you today feels hard or difficult for any reason, it's because it is not natural. It is supernatural. And that's why we're doing this series talking about how to walk by the Spirit and live out the fruit of the Spirit. We get this right, brings healing to marriages, families. It can bring healing to this community. It can bring healing to this nation. Uh, Let's pray and I'll turn it over to the worship team. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good in every way. God, you are holy, 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 but you are also love. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for going to the cross for us. We thank you for the cross where we see your holiness, the holiness of God, holy wrath. But we also see God's loving, gracious mercy for sinners. And God, we thank you for that. God, we we thank you that you love each one of us enough that Jesus would go to the cross for us. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you every day, every moment of every day we need you. We cannot live out um, this kind of love. We cannot live out the fruit of the Spirit without you. And so today, teach us, teach us how through the rhythms of our day to walk by you, the Spirit. To keep in step with you, to live by you, to be led by you, to be empowered. And we pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Thank you, Gary. Um, I only have one announcement 
today, and that is, um, Pastor Gary alluded to it, Carolyn alluded to it, it's about our spiritual growth campaign called Life in the Spirit that will teach us how to walk in fellowship with the Spirit and live out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And that is going to help us grow, but how can we grow is if we join a small group. So I encourage everyone, if you have that app, click on it. Um, it has groups. You can see who's what day of the week might fit your schedule that you could join. We'd really like to encourage that. Um, and also, as we walk through these next 10 weeks, just kind of focus on that scripture of the fruit of the Spirit and really pray and ask God, which fruit do you think I need more in my life? Where, where can I grow in this area? Um, there are lots of them, so you can pick all of them. You can pick one. You can pick some. Um, but I just encourage you to do that. And then we just want to encourage you again, make Sunday morning worship a priority. Um, make being in a small group a priority. And then reading God's word and praying every day a priority. celebrate one more time the fact that his love never fails. And I see some of you in your Niner faithful gear. I see someone in their cowboy faithful gear over there. (laughs) May the best team win. God's love always wins. It always has the final word. Nothing can separate Even if I ran away Your love never fails I know I still make mistakes You have new mercy for me every day. Your love never fails. And he stays the same. Sing it out. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid, because I know that you love me, your love, your love never fails, your love, your love never fails. The wind, the wind is strong and the water deep, but I'm alone here in these open seas. Your love never fails. The chasm is far too wide. I never thought I'd reach the other side. Your love never fails. 
stay the same. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rain, I don't have to be afraid. Because I know that you love me. Your love never fails. Your love never fails. Remember that every day this week. Thanks so much for being here. We'll see you next time.